return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. And together, hallelujah, did you bring your Bibles today or your phones? Amen. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. You know it's not us, right? It's His Word. Amen. His Word doesn't return void. His Word goes forth. Amen. The Word of God is sharp and powerful. It's ever-living. Amen. Hallelujah. And when we plant seeds in people, we're planting the word. Amen. And so I've been talking about just how we are anointed. We have become already anointed to preach the gospel. So I want to, it's been a little while since I've taught on it, but uh, today I want to talk about how we're sufficient in Jesus. How many have have went somewhere and you just felt like you're incapable or... um, you were insufficient to do whatever it is that you needed to do. Um, that by yourself you just couldn't, you know, whatever it was, speaking in front of people. Or um, maybe you're an athlete and, and, you know, at the end of the game you were scared to go in because you didn't think you could do it. Well, I want to tell you that we're sufficient in Jesus. Amen. So it doesn't matter what our insecurities are doesn't matter what we think we're insufficient in. We're always sufficient in Him. Amen. And because He lives on the inside of us, that means because He's sufficient, that means we are sufficient to do the work of the, of the calling that He's called us to do. So let's go to Luke 4.18. The Bible says, and I, this is kind of our, my staple verse, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So we see that Jesus says that the Spirit of the Lord is upon him. Well, if Jesus is on the inside of us, that means the Spirit of the Lord is upon us, amen, to do all the things in the next verses. He has anointed us to preach the gospel to the poor. That's our number one commission. To go into all the world make disciples. To preach the gospel. Amen. He has sent me, anointed me, amen, to heal the brokenhearted. How many know somebody who's brokenhearted? Maybe you're, bro- maybe you're brokenhearted right now. 
Maybe there's a death in the family. Maybe, um, you know, maybe there's a bad doctor's report or finances are bad. We're anointed to heal the brokenhearted. You know, we're anointed to proclaim liberty, freedom to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind. These are things that, I w- if I want to say that there's just a general area of responsibility that we're anointed to do, these would be it. Amen? So we think of something like, like the recovery of sight to the blind as this really big thing, and, and it is, it's amazing, but somebody knowing Jesus and calling him their Lord and save, calling him their Lord and Savior for the first time is even more miraculous than that. Amen? We preach the gospel. Preach the gospel to people that don't know him. Amen. That word anointed uh, in the Greek is creo, and it means to consecrate to an office or a religious service. So we've, been all, we've all been consecrated. We've all been anointed. We've all been set apart to, our, to the work of the ministry based on what God wants you to do, based on what office he wants you to be in. And I'm not talking just about the five-fold ministry or just the office of a pastor or an evangelist or something like that, but I'm talking about wherever your sphere of influence is, wherever you are being called to preach, and maybe it's at your job, maybe it's in your neighborhood, it's with your family, that is your office of ministry. Amen? So he's anointed us, he's consecrated us, to our ministries individually. Just as Jesus was consecrated or set apart to the Messianic office, we are anointed to the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we're anointed to do. On just on the surface, just on, just on the basic level, we're called to preach the gospel. Amen. We're called, we're anointed to the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So we're also anointed to preach the gospel, like I said, proclaim liberty to the captives. We're anointed to, to have recovery to the sight of the blind, amen, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And if you look through back through generations and in, in the Bible, every generation believed that Jesus would come back in their generation. And, you know, I used to have a mindset, well, well it probably won't happen in my lifetime. You know, that was my mindset. And the more I read, the more the Lord showed me, no, you need to have an expectation that Jesus is coming back in your lifetime, amen, so you can do what you need to do now. Because sometimes if we think that there's something a, a long ways off, you know, I don't know, none of you probably did this as a kid, but your mom would tell you to do something, and then you'd kind of put it off into the last moment. You know, just like, you know, she's like, I'm going to be home in, a, in an hour, and, and I want you to get this, this, and this done. In your mind, you're thinking, oh, that's only going to take me about ten minutes. And then, you know, she's like, I'm in town. I'm like, oh, no. And then you start running around trying to get everything done. Well, sometimes when there's something that's set way far out in advance from us, it's easy to get lackadaisical. It's easy maybe to get, uh, to procrastinate on what we're supposed to do. But when we have the expectation and the hope that Jesus could come back today, he could come back tomorrow, he could come back next week, that he's going to come back in my lifetime. What it does is it gives you a sense of urgency for the gospel. That's what he wants from us. He wants us to have urgency. To go out and to preach the gospel with urgency. Amen. Amen. We just got new neighbors uh, uh, just in the last couple of weeks. And so yesterday, finally, 
I was outside when he was outside, and so I just went in over and introduced myself, and I just thought, I need an urgency. I want to be urgent about the gospel. I want to be urgent to let people know who Jesus is and what he did for them on the cross. Amen. Hallelujah. So let's look at the first part of this verse again. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. So this leads me to believe that whoever God anoints to preach the gospel, which is all of the believers, the Spirit of the Lord is upon. When we believe, the Holy Spirit automatically enters us. The Holy Spirit, you know, we have, a, we have a spirit ourselves. It says that God breathed the breath of life into Adam, and we were in that breath. Amen. But when we become born again, it says in, in, I think, Romans, that the Holy Spirit identifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Amen. And so we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of, of us, and we need to activate. We want to activate the Holy Spirit. You know, just now in, in service, we had a tongue and interpretation. That's activating the Holy Spirit. Amen. We want the presence around us. We want the atmosphere around us to be flexible enough to shift and to move with whatever the Holy Spirit wants us to do. Amen. That's why, you know, we, I, we, don't, we don't want a rigid service here at Holy Life Tabernacle. We want the opportunity for things to happen within the service. Amen. We want the Holy Spirit to have his way, have his way and move as he wills, as he wants to. We don't want to quench the Spirit. Amen. We want to allow him to have free, free reign in this. And, you know, we found out just a couple of Sundays ago from Pastor Day that the Holy Spirit is limitless. Amen. Deb talked about uh, on Wednesday that we don't have, you don't want to have a scarcity mindset. Amen. So we want to expect big things. That's why we expect Jesus to come back in our lifetime. We want to expect big things. Amen. We want to expect the Spirit to move. We want to expect tongues and interpretation and prophecy. We want to expect that when we lay hands on somebody, that they're going to recover from whatever ails them. We want to expect, and we know that that God supplies all of our needs according to His riches and glory. By Christ Jesus. That should be an expectation in our life. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Our expectation should be that, that because Jesus took the stripes on his back, that we are healed. That's an expectation in our life. No matter what our eyes see, no matter what our circumstances are, the expectation is that the Holy Spirit can do anything. The Holy Spirit can do the impossible in our life. Since the Holy Spirit is upon us, that means what the Holy Spirit can do through us is limited or limitless. Amen. So if we feel insecure when we go and we, when we preach the gospel and we say, Lord, you know, as Moses said, I'm not eloquent of speech. You know. Well, you know, Paul, he got mocked because his speech wasn't, quote unquote, elegant by the scholars and by the Greeks that were, were up on how to say things correctly. And, and uh, you know, and Paul said, I don't care. I didn't come with persuasive words to you. I just came with the power of Jesus Christ. I just came with the power of the gospel. When we start relying on ourselves to put on a show for somebody, we're in the wrong area. Amen. Whenever we go out, we're, we're expecting, we're relying on the power of the Holy Spirit to go with us. 
Amen? You know, and you see this a lot with, with different pastors that um, they don't, everything needs to be just right for them to minister. They don't want the anointing to come off of them or anything like that. And just reading through the Bible, you know, except for when, when, when Jesus said, or when, uh, when Paul says, I think it was Paul, don't quench the spirit, there was never a time where Jesus said, I don't, that I could read, that, oh, well, you guys just, the anointing's off me now because of you guys. He never said that. If he's anointed us, that means we're continually anointed. Doesn't mean that it's always active. Doesn't mean that we're always activating it in our life, but it means that we're continually anointed. Amen? I really think it takes a lot to quench the Spirit. I really do. Because even when he was talking, uh, I think to the Corinthians about quenching, quenching the Spirit, I'm sure I'm getting the reference wrong, um, but quenching the Spirit, he was telling it to them, you don't quench the Spirit. We can quench the Spirit in our own lives. Amen? We don't want to do that. The Spirit is limitless in us. We can, we can take as much as we want, or we can take as little as we want. I mean, he's always giving us opportunity. Ken, Kenneth Hagin used to say, get under the spout where the glory comes out. I mean, it's a limitless supply. Amen? He wants to pour out his Spirit on you limitless. He wants to pour out his Spirit on you, and, and, and he wants you to believe and know that you can do anything through him. It's like this, by myself, I can't run down the interstate at 80 miles an hour. Amen. I would be a fool to think if I, if, I, if I just got a good pair of shoes and I really worked out and got, you know, really in shape that I could run 80 miles an hour down the interstate. I'd be a fool to think that. But if I had my car, well, then what can I do? My car can take me 80 miles an hour down the interstate. I mean, if, I'm sure if you, you know, thousand years ago, if they said, if you said, um, you know, I'm going to go 80 miles an hour, they would think you're crazy. Well, we have cars, we have things that help us. What does the Holy Spirit do? What's the name of the Holy Spirit? He's our helper. Amen. So we can't do it on our own. I can't run down the interstate at 80 miles an hour. But with the Holy Spirit, I can do anything that seems impossible. A thousand years ago, if you said, I'm going to go 80 miles an hour, they'd say, that's impossible. You can't do that. Right? But with the Holy Spirit, all things are possible. By myself, I can't do all that God has called me to do. But with the Holy Spirit, I can do anything possible and anything that would usually be impossible. With the Holy Spirit, we can lay hands on someone and they will recover. With the Holy Spirit, we can speak to storms and they'll dissipate. We've had that here at Kids Night Out. Storm was coming, a big storm cloud was coming, and prayed over it, and it either held back or it went around. We have the power through Jesus. With the Holy Spirit, we can do anything according to God's will. Amen. And there's, there's some things that we just know are God's will. We know it's God's will to heal. And everything in Luke 4.18, we know that this is all God's will. We know that it's God's will that every need shall be supplied of yours. Amen? We know it's God's will to, um, to have good health. To have good finances. Amen? To have good Christian fellowship. Sometimes I feel like it's hard, for, especially for kids, to have a good Christian fellowship with somebody. Amen? 
Because as the parents go, so do the children a lot of times will just kind of follow after the parents. I mean, we see just in, especially, you know, just in, in Brookings even, you just see that ungodly parents are raising kids that aren't going to serve the Lord. But what is our job? Our job is to preach the gospel to them. Amen. Our job is to just tell them about Jesus. Tell them that Jesus loves them. Amen. We, you know that, that light has more power than darkness? Amen. So if you're in a dark room and you, you just switch on a light, the darkness just disappears. But if you're in a light room and you, and you switch on the darkness, there's no such thing as switching on the darkness. The darkness cannot overpower the light. Amen. The darkness cannot overpower the light. We are the light of the world. Amen. We are the light of the world. His light shines through us. So let's look at some examples about the impossibility that the Holy Spirit can overcome. Matthew 19, 23-26 says, And Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it is easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. What we might say is impossible, God says, Not for me. Let me work through you. Let me do the impossible. Let me be the God of impossible in your life. Amen? He wants to be the God of the impossible in your life. He wants to show you things that you've never seen before. He wants to work through you things that you've never done before. Amen? When we mix our faith with the power of the Holy Spirit, anything is possible. It also requires our faith and belief in Him. We don't go to heaven just because of His grace. We go to heaven because He has grace, but not just because of His grace. What does the Bible say? It says, the Bible says, by grace you have been saved through faith. We have His grace to do anything. His grace is what helps the impossible become the possible. Based on what Adam did, it should be impossible for us to get to heaven. It was legally impossible. Before Jesus came, it was legally impossible for us to get to heaven. But when Jesus came, he made the impossible possible. Amen? God is the master of impossible situations. So while God does the impossible in our lives by his grace, we also mix our faith with it. Mark eleven twenty two. <clears throat> Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. So impossible situations aren't just conquered by his grace. We know that we need his grace in our lives every single day. And I tell you what, there are people, you can live with just his grace. As if, you're, if you're saved, you know, people can just live a mundane life and just say, oh, by the grace of God, I'm saved and not want to do anything else with their life. And he'll let you live that way. But what is, our, what is the number one priority when Jesus left? He said, go into the world, preach the gospel. He wants people that are going to be obedient to him. 
Amen. He's going to pour out, he pours out his spirit on all flesh. But if you are going to be obedient to him, he's going to do things in your life that you, it will just, quite frankly, shock you. He will do things in your life that are going to be unbelievable through your ministry, through your family. Amen. He wants our obedience. We play a part in overcoming impossible situations. Salvation is something based on our sins, like I said, should be impossible. Someone hearing the gospel without seeing it with their natural eyes and believing that it's true is a very hard thing. You know, when Jesus came back and he, and he, and he appeared to the disciples, and, uh, and then Thomas came later and he doubted, he said, well, I want to see it. And so then Jesus appeared to them again, walked through the wall, and he said, and, and Thomas said, oh, I believe. And he said, no, no, I want you to put your hand in my side. Look at my hand. And he said, yes, you believe because you saw, but blessed are those that believe and don't see. Amen. When Jesus ascended to heaven before the day of Pentecost, we can't, we can't again, physically, we can't see Jesus physically here in the flesh. So we need to just, we have faith that what he says is true, that the Bible is true, Amen. And he blesses us because we have faith without being able to see. Amen. So anybody that loves Jesus, anybody that calls him the Lord of their life, you've had faith without seeing. And so I think what's different from that than having faith in healing without seeing it right away? Or what's different from that without, with having faith that my needs are taken care of without seeing the answer right away? It's the same thing. We're doing the same thing. We're putting our same faith out there that we put when we believed, amen, for things that take care of us in this life. Hallelujah. Someone might say, well, God doesn't need us to do things. And it's true that he will show up in the midst of our faith, if, even if our faith isn't there. You know, the guy that said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. You look at uh, he showed up in the midst of no faith such as Gideon. Gideon, right away, didn't have any faith. He made excuses. I'm the least of my house. I'm the least, tri- I'm the least of the tribe of, of Israel. And what did, what did the Lord say? He said, well, yeah, I know, but... No. What he said, no. You're going to go and you're going to defeat the Midianites. Amen? Jonah. Jonah was another guy. Had no had no faith. He had no faith that, that the people of Nineveh were going to turn from their ways and follow the Lord, nor did he want them to. And then what did he do? He was still able to work through Jonah to bring the gospel to the Midianite, or to the to Nineveh. Amen. I think of Peter too, when they caught the fish, so the boats almost sank. And he said, you know, before that he said, you know, go out and cast your nets out in the deep. And he said, and he said, Well, Lord, we've been we've been working all day and all night. You know, we, we haven't caught anything, but at your word, amen, we'll do as you say. Now, did Peter have faith that they were going to catch anything? No, but what did he do? He said, well, you said it. It might take me a little while, but I will believe it. Amen. Whatever the Lord says to you, if he's given you a calling, if he's given you a ministry, if, he's, if you know that he, that came from the Lord, uh, don't worry. Because it will come. Because what God says, he will do. Amen? What God says, we can have faith that he will complete it. Hallelujah. When Jesus fed the 5,000 men, not including women and children, Jesus didn't say, 
Oh, just don't worry about it. I got it. No, what did he do? He, he involved them. Amen. Let's go to Mark 6, 35. Let's look at that real quick. When the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and already the hour is late. Send them away, that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread if they have nothing to eat. But he answered and said to them, You give them something to eat. He was, what was he doing? He was commanding them. He was saying, You do it. You can do it. I have faith in you to give them something to eat. And they said to him, Well, shall we go buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? Uh, and I looked this up. I wonder if I put it down. 200 denarii. A denarii was a day's wage. So basically they said, well, should we go and get 200 worth, days worth of wages to give them something to eat right now? <laughs> Almost mocking him, right? Well, should we just, oh, Lord, you know, should we just go get, let's just go get 200 denarii then. And let's feed them. Ha ha. And what did Jesus say? Mark, 30, uh, Mark 6, 38, he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, Five and two fish. And he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the grass. And I think it's interesting, I really find it interesting that Jesus didn't just go and say, Their faith isn't working, I'm just going to do it myself. You sit down here, you sit down here. No, what did he do? He, he wanted to work with the disciples where they were at. So he says to them, he said, You make them sit down. I want your faith to be involved. Whatever little faith you have, I want your faith to be involved. He wants our faith to be involved. He still wanted them to use whatever faith they had to help him in this miracle. And aren't you glad that Jesus beats us where we're at? Amen. That he doesn't set it up here. And he said, well, I'm not going to come meet you if you don't get up there. Up here to my level. Now it says when we draw near to him, he draws near to us. Amen. He meets us where we're at. Wherever you're at in your life, whether whatever, how much faith you have, the Lord is going to meet you at that place. He has good things in store for you. He wants you to have good things. Amen? So he's going to meet you at that place. Jesus says in Luke 17, 6, If you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, Be pulled up by the roots and be planted into the sea, and it will obey you. So a mustard seed is about as tiny as a grain of sand. Grain of sand, and uh, if you just look at it, you just it would it would basically be nothing. So Jesus is saying, even if you have barely any faith that you can't even see it, you can still say to a mulberry tree, "Be pulled up by the roots, be planted in the sea, and it would obey you." Amen. Because we all know that we have faith, because Jesus said, or the Bible says, He has given to each one of us a measure of faith. Amen. So we don't start out with zero faith. Amen. What does he do? We nurture it. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We continue to read the Bible. The mustard seed faith grows. And then we're commanding mountains to be thrown into the sea. Amen. We're commanding cancer to be gone. Amen. We're commanding uh, diabetes to be gone. We're commanding our finances to line up with what the word says. You know, part of our faith, too, is, uh, isn't just, I'm going to do whatever I want to, and, and it's just going to come to me. You know, if, I, if I'm worried about my finances, but I eat out every, uh, every meal, well, I'm not being a good steward of my finances in the first place. Amen? 
So we do what we can do on in the physical realm. Amen. We eat right, try to live healthy, do things like that. And he blesses us in the supernatural realm. Amen. Impossible situations aren't... Co- oh, sorry. I, uh, I went back in my notes here. Hallelujah. It's not only about our faith, but that his spirit is upon us and anointed us through our ministry. And even though we've been anointed and the spirit is upon us, we have to do it. Amen. We have to put our foot forth. Pastor Dave uses this a lot. You know, if we if we want to drive our car, but we just sit in it and park, you know, and we say, no, this car needs to move. Well, it's not going to move, is it? We got to put it in park, or we have to put it in drive. We have to put our foot on the accelerator, amen, and make it move. And so we have a part to play in this as well. And he wants us to to play the part that we have. It's not just going to happen magically. He called us all to have a ministry, but he chooses the ones that are going to be obedient to him. In Matthew 22, Jesus tells the parable of the wedding feast. The king invites guests to come to his son's wedding, and they all have excuses to why they can't come. And it says that even, you know, he he sent out servants, and they said, oh, I'm busy, and they went into their houses. And he sent out more servants, and then they, they attacked them and humiliated them. So the king invites others who are willing to come, both good and bad. And in verse 10, the Bible says, So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have on wedding garment. So I said to him, Friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. And the king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, take him away, and cast him into the outer darkness. For there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. And so we see there's two issues here. The first issue are those that the king initially invited that didn't want to come, that had this, this invitation to be at this banquet and didn't want to come. And, and historically, that was Israel, right? Israel got, had this invitation, I mean, all on a platter, the Lord, they were the Lord's people. And because of the disobedience, because they didn't want the Lord's help, only when it suited them. Amen. Reading through Judges again, and, and it's, it's amazing, the teeter-totter of the Israelites uh, with the Lord. How they, they want him to help, and then they don't want him to help, and they go back to their wicked ways. And then they call on the Lord again, and he comes and delivers them. Amen. You know, a lot of people want to say that the Old Testament is about judgment. I think the Old Testament is about grace. <laughs> Amen. Everything in the, in the Old Testament is a type and shadow of Jesus Christ. And if Jesus Christ is about grace and love, amen, then you can find so many things in the Old Testament about grace and love from our Father. <laughs> so these would be, today would be the religious people who enjoy their place in society. Religious people who enjoy, enjoy their place in the church, enjoy their status, but don't actually want to obey the Lord and what he's called them to do. It's, a, it's, a, it's an invite. I want you to come. I want you to be a part of this with me. And they say, no, I'm just going to hang out over here by myself. Then we have the people, the second group of people that are invited just from all walks of life. Amen. And they come. And for the most part, they wear the garments that they're supposed to wear. They're obedient to what the wedding feast requires. Amen. 
And then we have the man who came to the feast but didn't meet the requirements of the wedding attire. And I always think, you know, I always thought, wow, you know, he came. You know, he came to the feast. Isn't that good? Isn't that good enough? You know, we can be saved and not do anything for the Lord our entire life. We don't want to live that way. Amen? Because of this, because he didn't have the wedding attire, the man was thrown out of the wedding hall. In verse 14, Jesus says, For many are called, but few are chosen. Now, it's easy to look at that verse and say, well, he'll just, he'll just say, well, I want you and I want you. He chooses us by our obedience. He chooses us by what we want to do for him. Amen? He chooses us because we choose him first. He draws near to us because we draw near to him first. He's not going to make us do anything we don't want to do. He's not going to make us follow him. He's not going to make us go out and witness. He's not going to make us share our testimony. Amen. And so what does it says? Many are called, few are chosen. The point is this. We can be a Christian anointed to do the work of the Lord. But the Lord is going to choose those who are obedient to him. As a Christian, we are anointed. We are already anointed to preach the gospel. You are already anointed to do your ministry, what the Lord has called you to do. He can't choose anyone who doesn't want to be chosen. Amen? He can't choose somebody who doesn't want to uh, surrender to his will. And we all make mistakes. I'm not saying that, that we have to live these perfect lives because we don't. We just want to be obedient. We just want to be a vessel. We want to be willing to live our life for him. To be anointed or called to preach the gospel of Jesus is, an amazing, is amazing in itself. But God's looking for those who want to do something with that calling. He's looking for warriors in his kingdom. Amen? And to those he chooses, to those who are obedient to him, he gives us what we need to do it. So let's go to 2 Corinthians 9, 8. The Bible says, And God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing, come in abundance to you, so that you may always, under all circumstances, regardless of the need, have complete sufficiency in everything. Being completely self-sufficient in him and have an abundance for every good work and act of charity. So God is able to make all grace first come to us in abundance, in increase, in more than enough supply. Amen? And why? Why does his grace come to us in, in increase in abundance? It says so that you may always, under all circumstances, amen, in all trials and temptations, in every aspect of life, at any age, amen, in any society, under all circumstances, regardless of the need. What does that tell me? It tells me that all of my needs fit under this category. Regardless of any need I might have, have complete sufficiency in everything. Tell you what, for a while, for me, um, being incapable or insufficient was a hurdle I had to jump over for the Lord. To say, well, Lord, how are you going to use me? I've messed up in this area and this area and this area. What, what can I offer without being hypocritical? And the Lord, you know, basically said to me, you, know, you, just, go what I, you just do what I told you to do. Amen. 
having complete sufficiency in everything, being completely self-sufficient in him. Amen. I love that. It's like a, an oxymoron. Self-sufficient in him. We find, because he lives on the inside of us, we find our sufficiency in him. Amen. It's not, no longer Christ who lives, but, or it's not, no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives through me. Amen. Are self-sufficient in him and have an abundance, have an increase, have more than enough for every good work and act of charity. Amen. So that word abundance, when I looked it up in this context, says to furnish, or to furnish one so richly that he or she has everything beyond measure. Hmm. To furnish one so richly that he or she has everything beyond measure. And I love it. It says that we're completely self-sufficient in him. We can't just be self-sufficient in me. I can't. I don't find sufficiency from me. Amen. My, his strength is made perfect in my weakness. So in my weaknesses, amen, when I rely on him and when I say, you are strong, Lord. I know that you're strong. I know you can do anything. What does that mean? That means we become strong. Paul says, when I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak in myself, then I am strong in the Lord. Amen? When we decide to use the power of the anointing on our lives to save souls, he equips us with favor and earthly blessings beyond measure and gives us everything for any circumstance regardless of need. In all things, we need to remember that everything comes from him and without him we can't do anything. One of the messages that, that I heard over the week um, he was talking about how everything's from God. My house is from God. My car is from God. My life. Amen. Everything is from God. And so when we, even when we give a tithe, we're just giving God back a part of what he gave us. Amen. When we, when we bless our house, when we bless our cars, or we bless our finances, we're saying, Lord, help me to be a good steward of what you've given me. Amen. We want to be a good steward of what he's what he's given us. Amen. You know, I I I don't like cleaning the house. I'm just going to say it. I don't like cleaning the house. My wife knows I don't like cleaning the house. And uh I got I'm working on it. Amen. <laughs> but I heard that message about being a good steward. And I've heard messages before, but it really like I got a revelation of it. I'm like, "Oh yeah, Lord, this is your house. I better clean it." I better be a good steward of what you've given me. Amen? And that's how it is in life. Right? And so the Bible says that we are bought at a price. We're not our own. Amen? So we want to be a good steward of everything that God has given us. And I want to end with this. Whoever believes that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave and has made that same Jesus their Lord has the anointing from Luke 4.18. So if you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, If you've made him the Lord of your life, you have that anointing from Luke 4.18. Anointed to preach the gospel. Anointed, amen, to heal the brokenhearted. You have that anointing on your life through the ministry, which is preach the gospel. Amen. And so we don't want to get caught up with our self-sufficiencies because we just learned from 2 Corinthians 9.8 that we are self-sufficient in him. Amen. And he gives us everything we need for all circumstances. Ephesians tells us to take up the whole armor of God. 
Mark says these signs shall follow those who believe. Amen. We have been giving every we've been given everything to do what we need to do. We have been anointed, but we have to believe that we actually have the power and authority to do what he's called us to do. Amen. We can say I've been anointed, but we really need to grasp that, oh, because Jesus has all the power and the authority, that means I have all the power and all the authority. We need to believe that we actually have the power and authority to make an impact on people's life through Jesus. Last scripture here, Matthew 28, 18. As then Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore. All authority has been given to Jesus. And he's telling the disciples, Go therefore. Because he has the authority, we can go therefore and do what we need to do. Make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Can you get your head around that? Because he has all authority, because all authority has been given to him, because all power has been given to him, amen, and because he is the head of the church and we are one body, that means that we have the power power and authority through him to go, therefore, and make disciples, to go, therefore, and heal the sick, to go, therefore, and preach the gospel, to go, therefore, and heal heal the brokenhearted, to go, therefore, and minister to our family, to go, therefore, and minister to our co-workers. Amen? We have that power and authority through Jesus to do that. Because all authority has been given to Jesus and Jesus lives on the inside of us, we can go therefore even with our insufficiencies. We can go therefore even with our insecurities. Amen? doesn't matter what I'm insufficient in. It matters that He is sufficient in all things. And because He lives in us, we are sufficient in all things. Amen? And we have been commissioned by him to do the work of the ministry. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. We have been commissioned by him to do the work of the ministry. So I just want to put on some instrumental music here quick. I want to have people come. uh, I want to have an altar call. Okay. And this is going to be about your ministry. And what you believe the Lord has called you to do. So, if these are kind of the requirements of, of this, I guess. Anybody can come up, but if you have a fear of going and talking to somebody about Jesus, I want you to come up. If you get anxious anytime you feel the Lord is telling you to go and minister to somebody, I want you to come up. If you know that you have a calling, but you're not sure how, you know, we're all called to preach the gospel, but if you, have, you know if you have a specific calling in your life, and you're not sure how to activate it, you don't know um, how deep you can go with it, I want you to come up. If you feel like you don't know exactly what to say when you go and you minister to somebody, I want you to come up. Okay? So right now, anybody that wants to come up can do that. And I hope there are some. You know, I know for me, I do my best. Remember, I can always go deeper. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife at brookings.net 
or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., also Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.